Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hola, welcome back to the show. Well, listen, how many of us haven't gotten bit up by mosquitoes, particularly lately, but there were mosquitoes and then there were mosquitoes. And some of them carry this terrible disease called malaria. Our next guest, Dr. Sunil Parikh, has been has been giving a lot of his uh, thought and talent and brilliance to this problem of malaria, which is uh, something that affects millions of people around the earth. He is an MD and MPH, the Associate Professor of Epidemiology, which is microbio- microbial diseases and of infectious diseases at Yale. His training consists of UCSF, which is, as a fellow, which is probably our most brilliant grad school in the country, uh, MPH, University of California, Berkeley. He has his MD from my own alma mater, Johns Hopkins, where I did not get an MD. And he's a resident at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, or he was in Boston. He's got a brilliant, brilliant academic past behind him. We're lucky that he's right here in New Haven at Yale, where he has been a member of the Department of These Diseases in the Yale School of Medicine since 2012 and makes his life and work around here. Dr. Sunil Parikh, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show today. Hi. 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 Thanks a lot for having me. Um, Really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Yeah. So you went to Hopkins. You graduated in 98. I graduated in 84, but not with an MD. More like arts and crafts, really. It was arts and sciences. My daughter always makes fun of me. She says it was arts and crafts, and she's not wrong. But it was a great place to go to school anyway, even as an undergrad. I tried to absorb some of the smart people like you when I was walking around. Oh, I I loved it there as well. It was a really, it was an inspiring place. The School of Medicine there was just fantastic. Um, I feel really lucky to have been there. Yeah, really beautiful place. So Dr. Parikh, Tell us about malaria, and then we'll get to what you're doing with it. Why do we care? We don't have malaria in Connecticut. Why do we care? Well, you know, malaria is uh, is and has been one of the most deadly uh, diseases throughout human history. It's really been with us for uh, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of years. Um, it's a parasite, so there's a lot of different uh, microbes that cause diseases. We have viruses. We have bacteria. Um, and yeah, the other big categories, parasites. These are bigger, bigger organisms. Um, 
Malaria is particularly problematic in that it infects uh, a lot of different um, animals. It can infect birds, horses, um, uh, but the the species that infect uh, us are distinct from those that infect other animals. But the problem is that it's carried by mosquitoes, uh, which makes it a very difficult challenge to get rid of. So, uh, you know, in order to really tackle this disease, we need to think about uh, multiple fronts. We need to think about the economics of an area. We need to think about how to control mosquitoes. And we then also need to think about how we identify people with the infection so that we can identify them and treat them properly. And, and as we know from times when there's a lot of rain and mosquitoes around, it's a very difficult thing to avoid getting bitten. Oh, yeah. um, and you can imagine in, in certain parts of the world, this is even more challenging. So let me ask you this. Why did I think that the Bill Gates Foundation, when it first began, was setting itself up in Africa to try and eradicate malaria? Did I miss Am I wrong about that? Weren't they trying to do that? You know, yeah, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has been really, since its beginning, dedicated to a lot of kind of neglected but very important diseases around the world. And malaria has been kind of one of its prime targets. Uh, and, you know, we've been, as a malaria community, very thankful for the investments they put into various aspects of controlling the disease. So, yeah, you're definitely right. They've been dedicated to this area for for uh, decades now, and it's been helpful. Does malaria kill people? Yeah, so, you know, malaria is, if you take any single infectious disease um, for children under five worldwide, it's still the number one infectious disease killer of kids in that malaria. age group. So Malaria. Malaria, yeah. Um, so, you know, we'd say about a quarter of a billion cases occur each year um, and about 600,000 deaths per year. Um, and again, that's mostly concentrated oh, in kids my. under five. Yeah, it's still it's even now, disease. even with all the money and all the research that's been put into malaria in the last 20 years, we still have 600,000 kids a year die from malaria. We do. You know, and when I got into this field, we used to say about a million deaths a year. So we've made progress. I know that doesn't sound like tremendous progress, but it has been. There has been a lot of progress in the last 20 years, really, since around the millennium, that kind of worldwide community rallied around this and put a lot of money into this and a lot of different players got into this uh, sphere and you know we've made progress but there's still a lot to to go um, you know I think uh, really from t 2000 until 2015 we saw steady gains um, kind of every year when I gave I also teach a course at Yale uh, which focuses on on this disease and a few others and every year it was great we could go in there and say we've made progress year to year but Really, over the last several years, it's stagnated, and um, we need new tools to, to both detect, uh, treat, and prevent this disease. So progress, but it's stalling, and, and we need to reinvigorate our efforts. So Dr. Sunil Parikh, by the way, just to let people know, I mean, we think about malaria as exclusively in Africa, but every now and then it pops up in the United States. It hasn't been a true public health problem, but... It has popped up in Florida in tropical climates in the United States. And one can see with climate change and enormous rise in temperatures, both in ocean and land, that the mosquitoes will likely follow, won't they, doctor? 
Absolutely. You know, um, we've had, as you said, we've had little uh, mini outbreaks. You know, every year in the United States, we, we, on average, we've been having, you know, a few thousand cases, maybe 2,000 or so cases a year, but most of those are travel acquired. And so, you know, somebody goes to a place which has a lot of malaria, they get bit and they come back, and then they present to a clinic with, with symptoms. Um, however, every once in a while, we do have clusters of cases in the United States which seem to be locally acquired, and that means that there's no evidence that that person traveled outside the U.S., so they must have therefore likely been bitten by a mosquito locally. So last time we had a big cluster of cases was uh, about 20 years ago, exactly, in, in Florida. But this year, we've actually had cases now in three different states. Um, so we had a cluster of seven cases in Florida. Um, one in Texas, and then most recently, just in the past, past few weeks, we had a case in Maryland. So that brings nine cases of locally acquired Maryland. malaria in the United States. Yeah, Maryland. Yeah, was just, yeah just in the in kind of in the D.C. Maryland area. Not a lot of details have uh, I, uh, have been been um, published about this, but uh, it has been in the news. So we now have nine cases. Um, and what that signifies, you know, it's hard to, I think climate change is is likely playing a role. It's obviously harder to demonstrate a link between these precise cases and climate change, but we do know for sure that the mosquito types, the species that carry malaria, are expanding their range. So it's, right. it's, it's not, um, not at all... I guess, unfortunately, surprising. So we've got mosquitoes, we've got lantern flies, we have invasive bugs that have killed our beach trees. It's all good. It's all good, Doctor. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really uh, unfortunate. It really yeah. is. So yeah. now I'm I'm reading in Connecticut Insider this beautiful article about you about a new medical test platform called a cytophone. So what is what is the obstacle? that you're trying to get over, and what was the solution that you've come up with? Yeah, so um, one of the, so the principal way that we detect malaria in people is that we take a blood sample, um, and usually that means taking a little finger prick blood sample, dropping a little um, uh, drop of blood onto a microscope slide, and that's been how we've diagnosed it for 100 years or so, and then that takes really an expert you know, a well-trained, well-experienced individual to look under the microscope for quite a while um, to see if any of the red blood cells have the malaria parasite in it. So the malaria parasite invades our red blood cells, and that ultimately is what causes the disease. About 20 years ago or so, we started to see these rapid diagnostic tests, and this is akin to what everybody now is unfortunately used to with the, with the COVID test. Instead of taking a swab from your nose, like for COVID, we take that same drop of blood and we drop it onto a little cassette, and then we look for a line to show up to say whether or not we have malaria. The problem is that you need about 100 parasites per microliter of blood in order to detect that, um, and you also need to Draw, draw some blood from an individual. That means that somebody could have up to 10 million parasites in their circulation and their red blood cells before either of those tests become positive. So that leaves a big, big chunk of the population infected with malaria not, not diagnosed. So um, what we were looking for was a way to, to figure out if we could 
detect malaria without having to get a blood sample, first and foremost, but secondly, also to lower that, that limit of detection so that we could find parasites when they're at a much lower level in the body and therefore identify more people with the disease and, and potentially treat them so that we can start to really reduce this reservoir of infection that's just constantly there in, in endemic areas. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it does. So yeah. you're trying to solve two problems. And uh and have you been able to do so? Have you come up with a way to test for malaria that doesn't look at blood and that can look at a smaller sample so people don't need to be as sick before they come out positive? Yeah, so this is where I think one of the great things that I've really learned from in this project. So I have just an amazing collaborator down at the University of Arkansas. He also has kind of a spin-off incubator company called Cyto Astra with other folks down there. Uh, he's a bioengineer. His name's Professor Vladimir Zaroff. Again, just a brilliant bioengineer. And, and I work in Africa, and I've been working there for over 20 years um, with really brilliant kind of uh, endemic malaria researchers in various countries. So we kind of formed this collaboration together. Professor Zaroff has developed this tool, which essentially uses lasers and ultrasound. So what it does is we direct the laser uh, onto a blood vessel. Um, the laser uh, preferentially abs is absorbed by uh, red cells that are infected by the malaria parasite because when a malaria parasite infects a red blood cell as a byproduct, it creates this iron-rich crystal um, from digesting the stuff within the red blood cell. So the lasers can then uh, be preferentially uh, kind of absorbed by those crystals. The heat that's generated from absorbing uh, the laser then leads to sound waves. Sounds crazy, but that's what happens. And those sound waves can then be detected on the surface of the skin using ultrasound, which is the same kind of thing we use just for, you know, echocardiograms when we want to look at the heart or when we uh, pregnancy various things. So starts with a laser and then we end up with sound waves that are then. And so none of it hurts. It's painless. None of it hurts. Um, it was, yeah. yeah so, you know, to get, yeah, it's really an amazing technology. Um, and, uh, you know, we tested it first in, in, um, in the lab uh, where it's able to show that it worked kind of on, on parasites in the lab 
and then we conducted our first kind of human study um, using a portable version, and it, and it looks promising. We're really excited. I think one of the exciting things about it is you don't need a blood sample. The other thing is you can detect, um, you can use it to screen a larger amount of blood because we're actually using this non-invasively um, looking at the blood in circulation. So you could just leave the probe on for a longer time and therefore be able to detect lower levels of the parasite. You know what's sense. so interesting about it? We're chatting with, uh, we're chatting with Dr. Sunil Parikh. What's interesting about it is that it takes a genius person to understand that the body is telling us a million things if we would just figure out a way to understand what it's telling us. So what you're saying is that the body is already, by giving up this crystal and by this thing with the sound wave, that basically the data is there, and he's just created something to read it. That's a wonderful way of thinking about it, and that's exactly it. And you know, I think another kind of really interesting part about this project is Dr. Zaroff actually developed this technology um, and tested it really in one of the first ways is to look for a certain type of cancer cell when it's circulating in the blood as a way to pick this, this cancer up. The, the interesting thing is that cancer also that he was able to detect with this device is also one that produces properties in the cell that are similar to what malaria would, would cause. So extraordinary. Yeah, so you can really, you know, I think what we don't do enough of in medicine is kind of crosstalk between different disciplines mm, to kind of make these sure. advancements. For sure, we're extremely siloed. But also, I just love this idea, I'm just pondering it for a while, that you know that there's that if we could if we could understand and recognize what our body already knows but that we consciously don't know that that would lead to so many better health outcomes altogether it would yeah absolutely i think for a lot of different diseases we mm -hmm. need to you know and there is a lot of effort in this area but i think we're just starting to catch up you know the technology is starting to to, to catch up so that we can look for a lot of these things. I, I think one term that's used is biomarkers. So Biomarkers, yeah. I just think know. of McCoy in the old Star Trek. I don't know how <laughs> yeah. old you are. But remember McCoy, he would yeah. wave the wand over people, and the wand would tell him, you know, what this person had, how sick this person was, whether they were dying, what was happening with the blood. We're going to get there one day. We are. Well. I think we need to combine. We, we need to combine McCoy with MacGyver. Exactly, McCoy and MacGyver. <laughs> That's right. The two mix, McCoy and MacGyver. So, so Dr. Parikh, um, this is pretty exciting. How far away are we from having this cytophone be able to use, be able to be used in real life? Is it a huge billion-dollar hurdle for a clinical trial? What What does it mean for a device versus a drug? Like, what happens now? Yeah, uh, so what the Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has provided um, our collaborative support, uh, again, with uh, the investigators down in Arkansas, our collaborators in, in Cameron um, and Burkina Faso with funds to develop a, a smaller prototype, so kind of a more advanced prototype of this device that we could bring to Africa. We brought a device a couple of years ago to Africa, but it was a little bit bulkier um, needed some kind of fine-tuning and advancements. 
So this funding will allow us to build a couple more prototypes and then do a clinical trial to kind of say, you know, how good is this? Does it pick up what we want it to pick up? Does it does it make sure that it's specific? So are we are we making sure that we're not falsely detecting something and calling it malaria when it's not? So it's kind of a proof of concept with a newer device that we're going to be able to do with this funding. I think the next step then, once those results are in, is to kind of take it to a larger kind of multi-country, larger number of individuals um, and, and really establish the rigor, the, the rigorous data that we need to say, hey, this, this can be used more widespread and start to be produced. I think the goal is to really make this device affordable. Uh, it is the goal. You know, we really want this to be able to be used in the areas where we work in Africa by our, our wonderful colleagues there. Um, uh, and, and you know, it has to be cost effective. You know, the cost of a rapid diagnostic test and a micro, uh, looking under a microscope at one of these slides, that's just a couple dollars per person. And we can't really afford to have things more than that. So, yeah. We need this device cheap. to be cost-effective. Has to be cheap. cheap, 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 cheap. And one yeah. other thing, Dr. Preet, before I let you go, um, once you know somebody has malaria, can they be cured? Can they be treated? Like, what? then what do you do? Yeah, so, uh, you know, thankfully at the moment, we um, malaria is completely curable if detected early and people are not severely infected. Um, the problem is that... Um, a lot of times in endemic areas, people are brought to attention a little too late, and, it's, and it becomes very difficult to treat them. The other thing that is really causing difficulty is the emergence of resistance. So every single drug that we've ever used to treat malaria, the parasite is smarter than us. It's, it's become resistant to it in short order, and that unfortunately has happened again. Um, and in the last 10 years, we've seen resistance to all of the drugs emerge in Southeast Asia. And unfortunately, in the last couple of years, we now have reports from three different countries, at least in Africa, where we've seen the early signs of resistance to um, oh, the major drugs that we use. That's so discouraging. Yeah. It's a constant that. fight. You know, yeah. luckily in the United States, we've got, you know, the funds and the availability of drugs, you know, if we if we make the diagnosis uh, in time to effectively treat um, individuals, but in in the areas where malaria is most most um, devastating, you know that there's uh, it's a challenge. We need to devise, uh, you know, develop new drugs, and we need to use the existing drugs more intelligently. Um, and that's what a lot of us are, are working on as well. Okay. Well, doctor, thank you so much. By the way, where do you live? Where have you settled around here? I see you've been <laughs> I'm in this the area for. Yeah. yeah, I'm in the Guilford area, uh, yeah, which is nice. absolutely wonderful, and uh, love the Yale community and the and the New Haven and, and surrounding area. It's just a wonderful place to live. Well, we're happy to have you. Thank you so much for being on the show. We'll be following your research with interest. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. I love talking with you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We're going to be right back with more of the Lisa Wexer Show. Stay tuned. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.